Hello everyone, welcome to Growth Chats. I am extremely excited for today's conversation and it's my pleasure to introduce our guest today, Saad Hussein. Saad is the founder of ShiftSearch, a derivative trading information software company that is used by both everyday retail investors as well as traders at well-regarded hedge funds such as Citadel and Jane Street. Uh, Saad started his career in oil options trading before shifting his focus to creating a platform that would help you and I trade options as successfully as he has been able to. Uh, and the company has been able to garner some meaningful attention from investors and is in the process of raising round two of its seed funding. And more importantly, Saad is an amazing man with very altruistic motives who I enjoy talking to every time we get on the phone. So with that being said, Saad, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege. Yeah, Saad, I gave the high level on your background, but would love to hear it from your point of view and also understand the motives behind your jump from a successful career in options trading to a slightly more ambiguous journey as a startup founder. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think uh, my personal journey, I, uh, I was born in Pakistan um, and I immigrated to this country when I was a little kid, four years old. and. Uh, I always like to say my life is literally it's been full of luck. I, I live off of luck and um, and that's that. So my dad actually won an immigration lottery in 1989 to come to this country. And he was, you know, a handful of people, less than 100 people out of millions that applied. And so I ended up going, you know, that's how we got to United States and the land of opportunity really is. And, um, you know, with my background, in my dad's lack of connections, you had to work really hard and really get into the American system. And, you know, education was the pathway out, if you will, um, and to grow your foundation. So that's exactly what my siblings and I did. And um, yeah, so I, I was going into medical, uh, trying to become a medical doctor, basically. And then luck would have it. I was randomly introduced to what was, you know, to file papers for an oil brokerage firm in Houston for $10 an hour. And if that's a lot of money. I was like, absolutely, I'll do that. And then from there, I, w I walked into a trading floor. It was the first time in my life when I was like, what is this? Because, you know, generally, you know, 10, 15 years ago, trading was a old boys network. You know, if you knew, you knew. If you didn't, you didn't. It was that simple. And, you know, it was a guarded network club it was a guarded club that you're only in there if you're invited and um it was a privilege to even be invited actually and uh you know this and i walked in and i started filing these papers and i started these started seeing these confirmations of these trades and uh, the commission behind these trades it was thousands of dollars and i was like there's no way people are making thousands of dollars for talking on the phone <laughs> What is this? Like, because, you know, think about it. Coming from a kid that, you know, I, I was working at GNC as a full time at the moment, you know, and going to school at night. And I was like, what is this? I get five twenty five an hour. Like, who's making $3,000 for doing buying and selling and boom, and that's it. And I was like, I must know everything about this business. <laughs> that's when I, like, instantly decided, like, the, on the sixth hour I was there. And luck would have it again, you know, I... One of the brokers went to the bathroom. I picked up the phone, and you know, I did a deal on the phone. It was it was crazy, and and uh, and then you know, I got myself a job there on the third day, and 
and I was what's what was called a board boy back in the day where there used to be a long whiteboard on a trading floor and a kid would have to run up and down and change the bid or the offer depending on how the brokers are shouting it out loud. Wow. So it was a very uh, it was a very unique job and and I'm so grateful to have had that job because you know I think people hear things all the time but they don't really listen and and that job you know because when you're changing numbers from other people's mouths and it's real numbers that impacts other people's livelihoods there's this unknown stress that comes with it and responsibility that comes with it and believe me i made a ton of mistakes and um you know like accidentally putting 15 instead of 14 or whatever and there's like five different people shouting at you and so that really you know that old school mentality of trading really allowed me to really hear and listen here, but more importantly, absorb information in your mind and then being able to compartmentalize it and put it in a certain bracket, such as a bid or an offer. And I, you know, if I look back so far, that is probably the most informative job, even though it was $20,000 a year that I've had because it allowed me to really change a fundamental aspect of my life and the way I think about things. And, and, you know, today's generation, obviously you don't have that anymore because of electronics and all this other stuff. Um, but I think it's such a big missing link because you can totally tell the old school guys versus the new school person, people who are like, Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. You know, and whereas like back in the day, what, regardless of what you're doing, you have to be have what's called broker ears and constantly be listening to other people's conversations, even because wow. that's just part of being a good broker or a trader. Mm -hmm. And um, now it's more like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't miss that. I was doing something here. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's just different times. So, you know, I from that journey, I went, I got an opportunity again. Luck would have it from another client uh, to move to London to learn about what was called options and I had no idea what that was and um, I, I, I literally learned options through Half Price Bookstore for five bucks and uh, I taught you know and I was like okay I can do this uh, and I figured it out and uh, and you know I went to London and you know again luck you know it, I was fortunate enough to be blessed in a situation where you know I was able to be on one of the highest liquidity desks and from there, you know, the Arab Spring happened, you know, three or four years later. It was a good time to be trading oil. And I really understood how things impact the market. And uh, from there, I moved to New York. And, uh, you know, I just kind of expanded on that and really, really starting to think outside of the box about why things happen the way they do. Um, and, you know, really getting back to the point where we are today, I really looked at a company called Robinhood like five years ago and I was thinking about like, you know what? These guys, if they really, really, really get market penetration, this could really impact finance. And I kind of left it at that. I was just like, all right. I remember telling my bosses, I was like, I think this could really impact it, what we're doing. And the the... The consensus was like, no, most people are dumb to trade options. They don't know. I was like, okay, that's one scenario. Um, and then, and then two, there was this notion that people were buying data after data after data two, three years ago. 
And so all these hedge fund managers going out and people are saying big data is the new oil, blah, 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 and all this. And, and I remember thinking to myself, actually, if you think about oil, the commodity itself, it's actually worthless if you don't have a refinery, if you don't have a pipeline network. It's just things that come out of a ground. Right? You can have all the oil in the world, but if you don't have a refinery system to do with it, it's worthless. I mean, Venezuela is a great example. They have a lot of oil. Tons. One of the most oil-rich countries in the world. But look at their situation. And so you have to have that thing. So you can have all the numbers in the world all you want, such as data. But if you don't know what to do with it, it's just a bunch of numbers. So I like to drill it down to a very simple thing. It's like, you know, you can talk about big fancy things all day long, which is fine. But, you know, it's, what are you going to do with it? Oh, well, I, have, I own a bunch of data. What, what does that mean? If it's not adding value to someone's life or your own personal life, who cares? And so I, I remember thinking, well, if people are going to start buying data and the value of data is going to continue to go higher... And then there's this thing called cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. It was, you know, 400 bucks at the time. And I was like, if all the people started getting into this, this, the ocean of data is going to get significantly deeper than it is today. And people are going to need the ability to swim through that data to actually understand the context behind that data. Otherwise, they're going to drown. And they're going to just be buying data, buying data, buying data. And so this is where I was thinking like, well, people are going to want to search through the context of the why versus just visualizing a price, right? If this was 1970s, it was amazing to know what stock was trading at what price because the ability to see the price was the challenge. Now you can download any app in the world and you can see any price you want of anything. It's not a big deal. So data is not the issue. Context is gonna become the issue. And more importantly, context from Max's perspective, from your user journey as a human being, not as a user of a software or something, but as a journey, a human journey, versus my dad, versus myself, versus somebody else. And all of us have these different verticals that we live in. How do we expand and kind of homogenize some of that culture by saying, hey, this may be interesting to look at from this perspective. And so this was, these were one of the crust moments of really thinking about why a search engine would be valid as the world of finance continues to expand. Wow. Wow. I, I love it. I love that story. Um, okay. So, so now at that point, you decided made sense to start this platform. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about the platform itself? Sure. Sure. So, um, you know, if you think about from a very simple perspective, most applications in the world of finance, um, they just, they want you to trade. They want you to trade, they want you to download things, put money into it and trade, which is fantastic, it's great. But what I'm saying is, just like what I learned on Wall Street, there's no big client of mine, or anybody for that matter, um, just picks up the phone and buys twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of call or put options. It just doesn't happen. They do research behind it. 
they pick up the phone, a trader or a portfolio manager of a hedge fund would pick up the phone and call 10 different people saying, hey, what is going on? Hey, what is the market color? What is, is what's shaking? What, what kind of things have you been seeing in the last two weeks? And on and on and on and on. That builds a narrative. That narrative allows them to actually then think about how they want to execute their own belief system or their position in their market. But that narrative and that, st that extraction of that story is what was the missing link. Because if you think about these trading apps, I remember telling my initial investors, I said, you know, if this really takes off, a million iPhones would be more powerful than a hedge fund. And it turned out to be correct when it turned out, you know, what happened with Reddit and GameStop and all this stuff. And, you know, what we've done exactly is before you put on a trade where you can just buy anything, which is fine, I want you to search for it. I want you to go on shiftsearch.com, search. It takes two seconds and see how the activity of the entire market is behaving around Apple stock. If a guy named Max Burke on Twitter is saying, I'm buying a bunch of calls and you want to just follow him, that's fantastic. You created this initial platform, which I think your MVP was something kind of like you were showing a graph of the amount of buy volume and sell volume in, in the option market and showing how that trends over time. And, and now you've started to add on some more features like news and uh, events that might be you know changing this stuff. Talk to us about what those next steps were after you first created this MVP, this, this just, you know, pretty blank shell of, of information that you're providing people and turning that information into what it is now and maybe even where we're going from here. Sure. So in terms of creation, I, I have to give all the credit to uh, my CTO, uh, a guy named Dr. Alex Worth, um, you know, and the team behind him. I mean, these guys are, uh, I like to always say I'm the dumbest person in my company, and I mean that. And uh, because it's, it's imperative to work with people that are incredible at what they do, because it inspires me and the whole ecosystem, the ethos of the company around to be better. Um, so when we think about how we look at the first aspect of the product that we did, and then we started expanding these features because what we're interested more is how the user is behaving and who are they. So, for example, there is brand new retail traders. People are like, hey, I, I see a lot of people making money. I want to know what's going on. I see this on Reddit and all this other stuff. Okay, that's one. Two is I know what's going on. I've been looking up derivatives and I've been following on TikTok or et cetera, et cetera. I have a good grasp of what's going on, but I'm not an expert. I have a small account, but I'm still mindful of what I'm doing. And then third is, you know, I'm an expert. I know exactly what I'm doing. This is another data tool. Thank you very much. Cool. So if we take those three buckets and we start to really think on what they want to be able to see, because one of the things I always say is that the cool thing about what we're doing is we want to be the front page of the newspaper, the jumping off point, exactly like google.com, right? You don't go on google.com and stare at the page, do you? You go it when you have a question. And then it gives you another site to potentially go to, or it answers the question within the UI of Google. So 
when we, how do we expose this immense amount of data? How do we find clever things that are happening in this data, in this data stream, whether it's equities or cryptocurrency or anything else or commodities or something like that? That's our challenge. And then also being mindful of those three buckets that I listed earlier of the beginning, intermediate, advanced uh, traders. And, um, and so how do we expose unique data points? How do we expose, hey, this is what you should be looking at before you do anything? Because one of the first questions I get from people when we're in the you know, Discord communities and all these other things, what should I be looking at? I said, you know, the first thing you should be looking at, just like when you buy a home, what do you do? You start looking at the neighborhood. You start researching, you know, three bedroom, two baths, apartments or uh, homes or something. And then you start researching, researching. So you start to get an idea of what kind of home you're looking for, right? Instantly, if you go on Zillow or any of these real estate websites, instantly you can start to see a comparable difference between a three bedroom, two bath home in Los Angeles versus Houston, Texas or Boston. Instantly. And that's only probably like 10 minutes worth of research. You can see, oh my God, I can get a bigger house here for less amount of money or little house here at a better location, etc. Mm -hmm. Same thing when I tell people, you want to know what's going on in the stock market? Go on shiftsearch.com and start looking at how the data is behaving every single day. Just do that for about a week. You get an idea of where money actually flows in because it's the same thing. Once in a while, you'll see the top 10 trades of where the money flows. It's the same companies over and over and over and over again. The diamonds in the rough are the ones that you don't hear about or I don't hear about. How do we expose that? <laughs> That's the fun stuff. But generally, yeah. it's the same company. It's let's Apple, SPX, Tesla. It's the same usual suspects because why? There's the most liquidity and there's the most action behind those companies. So if you're a beginner trader, you want to know what's going on in the market? Look at how the money is behaving for one week. You'll instantly see, oh my God, out of the $18 billion that comes into the option premium world today, this week on an average basis, $13 billion goes into the same five, six stocks. Cool. Now you know. There's something you didn't know before. Now you start going to the next level. That's the way you want to look at peeling the onion. First, you got to identify the onion and then take off one layer. And then the next layer. You can't just cut the onion and be like, okay, I figured everything out. You could, but it's not the right way. And there's a lot of context you miss along the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, how were you able to build such a strong team so early in the process? Um, the honest answer is luck again. <laughs> uh, I've just like, you know, I have, I, I always believe that, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing. And more importantly, you have to believe in yourself. And this is stuff that we already know about and people talk about. But, but, but it's this mentality of it's going to happen. And I've always believed that. And, um, you know, doing the right thing and more importantly, believing that you're about to execute the right thing. And so the chips start to fall in place. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, People think it's hard, and I'm the opposite. I don't think it's hard. I don't think anything is hard. I, I just think that you have to be able to apply yourself. It's kind of like what I say is, you know, there's no question that certain ball players or certain football players become great at what they do. 
Very few kids that we know today take a thousand foul shots before going to dinner or having dinner. But, you know, if you look at the greats that came before us, they had these disturbing habits, this, this, this fire of, like, insane habits, like Kobe Bryant, like, doing three-day practices. And then after a while, you're like, no wonder he was awesome. Well, yeah. If I went to the gym and I did arm curls a thousand times a day, do you think by six months I'm going to have a very amazing set of arms? The answer is yes. <laughs> It's that obvious. I mean, so if we continue to work on a certain thing continuously, there is going to be results, right? Anything in life, if you practice cooking every single day, there's a good chance you're going to be a very good cook by six months later, right? You look at people like Gordon Ramsay and these guys, they didn't just wake up and start cooking and having an empire. There was work behind it. But... I believe like work is not hard, it's a strategy. I will do this, I will do this consistently for about eight months, and I will yield results. It's exactly like, you know, getting in shape. If you literally run three miles a day, every day consistently for six months, you better believe you're gonna have a different body at the end of six months. It's very rare you're gonna be like in the same spot. And so when it comes to building the team, I had a vision and then the right people started to fall in place. And, and, and you have to be open to that. You have to be open to change. And one of the things I always say is put down your phone and network. You know, take out the ear pods once in a while from your ears <laughs> and look around the people, acknowledge people, because that's one of the things that we've kind of, and, and that's one of the strengths I believe I hold on to. Some of the, some of the greatest advice I've ever gotten is just, just be there. Mm-hmm. Just be there in those conversations. Just go to those dinners. I remember her. I'll tell you something. Where I, when I was uh, in oil options, there's other. You know, there's a big trading floor, and people will be on futures desk or gold desk, et cetera, et cetera. And so when people would go out to dinner, I would say something like, and this is when I was in twenties and stuff. I was like, oh, are there any oil guys there? Oh no, it's only gold guys. Okay, and I'll, I wouldn't go. I remember this one guy, he told me, one colleague of mine, he said, you know what, just go to every single dinner. Don't ever say no. And I was like, why? There's nobody there. It's not going to be, he's like, think about it. You don't know where people end up in this business. You don't know who becomes what hedge fund manager, blah, blah, blah. You don't know. Show up. Go to every single dinner. Meet every single person you can. Even if they're in gold or interest rates or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just do it. And after hearing that, it really changed. I was like, all right, you know what? I went to every dinner. And then sure enough, what happens? Oh, hey, you know what? I have a colleague of mine that does oil. He couldn't make it, but you know what? Here's his info. Boom, my network started to expand. Just by little things that... you know, people, I think a lot of the times, you know, today's uh, perspective could be I want, I want results by doing this action. A lot of the times results come from the unknown actions, mm-hmm. the unconscious actions, right? But if you're taking any of those actions towards your overall goal, you know, that, that happens. It's exactly like, you know, professional ball players, whereas it was always about the gym and practice 
But then, you know, as we grew more mature in our understanding of the human body, it also became about sugar intake. These unconscionable things that were not valid in the 70s and 80s, and all of a sudden, diet is an imperative thing on success. So as we expand, you know, like one of the things about technology is it's, it's connected us significantly, but it's also disconnected us all at the same time. Right? We're connected to a product versus humans. Where, if you think about it, it should have brought people more together. But yeah, you're in a form of, you know, uh, a, a technology, technology barrier forum that's the connector. So one mm -hmm. of the things, you know, like where people ask me, how did you do this? You know, I moved to L.A. from New York without knowing a soul here. But I did it. I just did it because I knew it would work out. I had zero connections in the tech world. But, you know, the first thing I did was I went to a conference and just walked around and just said hello to people and just try to get a lay of the land. You know, if I were to, if, you know, I would say if I were to move to China tomorrow, one of the first things I would do is go to a farmer's market and just start talking to people. <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? What's the feel like? Oh, what do people do for a living? And just start saying hello. You know, you yeah. get so much out of life if you just start saying hello, which is rare, which is so weird, right? It's rare. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I, I think that's one of the things in terms of building a company. I know this, it's, it's not a direct answer to your question, but I think a lot of the cool things that happen in life are some things you don't plan. And, but if you have that mission that I am doing this for that reason, I will do whatever it takes to continue to move the needle towards that. It's going to work out. It always does. Mm -hmm. Man, Saad, that, that's so good. That's just such good info for everybody to have and such a good habit to have to just talk to people like that and saying that people overlook. And it's funny because that's how you and I actually met on a train. Um, we had bad Wi-Fi and I popped my AirPod out and we just start talking and come to find out I'm, I'm sitting next to a tech founder. <laughs> so and that, just, that, those so are the fun. best meetings, right? Because that we, we were just talking. We had no business. You know, people don't talk on trains anymore. Yeah. Right? People don't say hello anymore. And, you know, just that basic thing. You know, I'll talk to, you know, I, I, I'll talk to anybody. You know, it's fun to see what people are working at. And, you know, because, you know, when you're networking or you, you don't have to have a mission of extraction. A lot of it is just human connection. And so mm -hmm. if I could help somebody with something, yeah, great. And if not, it's, it's a great human connection. And it's just like, okay, we, you know, we networked. And a lot of people like, you know, I think you can network off of LinkedIn by having connections after connections. Kind of like Facebook where people had like thousands of friends. And it's like you really don't have thousands of friends. Let's be real. There's no yeah. such thing. Most people have less than 10 friends, like good friends that they can count yeah. on. And, and majority of the time is less than a hand. But those are, those are the friends that you can call at 2 in the morning. You're not going to call mm -hmm. Facebook friends at 2 in the morning. It's just not going to happen. Right? So you can network and have a thousand connections on LinkedIn and think you're a serial networker. But can you ask them for something? Can you ask them to move a needle for your cause? It's mm -hmm. very rare. The probability is, yeah, sure, you probably could. But, like, I mean, that's why it's, it's the serendipity way of meeting people. The randomness of being open to just being hello to saying people at Whole Foods or wherever you shop and 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 that allows new things to happen and some of the greatest greatest things that have happened in my life 
and taking you for example just like random meetings there's nothing there 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 is nothing premeditated behind those it's exactly for the sake of hi my name is Saad hi I'm Max man what do you do and we just started vibing that was it yeah yep yeah now I um I think the other element of that is maintaining that connectivity with those people who you meet and and who you remain close with even down to the farmers market example continuing to go back and building that connection with those people or um, when it comes to you and I or other colleagues or, or professionals who we've met in our lives, I'm sure we try to keep as much connectivity as possible. And I even have a, a tracker that I use just to say, oh, I haven't caught up with somebody who I consider my close friend in three months. I got to give them a call, things like that. And, and those little things that are often overlooked are, are really what makes the difference between somebody who you can call and somebody who you can't call because you know you just just haven't re- talked to them in six months. You don't want to go ask them for something randomly. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And and you know one of the things about is, you know, I think uh, you know the pandemic showed us this, but friendship is really important. Really, like good, just you know, you don't. It's not always about a transaction. It's about just a human connection in terms of, hey, this person was nice. I hope you're doing well in your life and I hope you think I'm doing well in life. And for that reason, we'll just connect in mm-hmm. terms of happiness and, and good things. Hey, man, what's going on? I thought that was really interested that you're in the movie business or something. And we're just connecting on that. And, and so it becomes less transactional. And then, you know, things happen and develop where naturally things create and, and opportunities are created where it does become helpful to you. You don't always have to go looking for that, right? And and this is where, you know, I think a lot of the times in, in this new generation, it's it becomes transactional where, you know, oh, I, I'm connecting with you because I want funding. I'm connecting with you because I want this. And then it becomes like that. Whereas if you think about, you know, business has been around for a long time, more than Facebook and Google and LinkedIn and all these things people got to know each other in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s people went out you know there's a thing about getting to know somebody over dinner it's a very different conversation versus having a video call mm-hmm. video calls are very transactional it's to the point it's a 30 minute call and blah, blah blah everybody's slave to their schedule it's like okay I'm sorry I got a rush I got another zoom meeting coming up or something right whereas dinner you're actually getting to know the person. Because remember, human beings are not what they do. Human beings are who they are from the inside. And if you're a banker or if you're anything of that nature, that's not who you are. You're a person. You're raised by parents. You're raised, there's, there's, there's stories that make up who you are as a person. You have fears, you have emotions and, and things like that. Those are the things that come out. Those are, those are the real human connections that people can start to make once you get to know the person over a dinner, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you start to learn about what their likes and dislikes are over you know, their family structure and things like that. Because remember, family and who we hang out with are, are really the core of who we are as people. It's not your business. Your identifier as life is not that you're a Wall Street trader or any of that nature. And if you are attaching your persona to what you do for a living, that could be very dangerous. 
because then your identity gets mixed up. Right. And, and so, you know, like, you know, some of the greatest people in, in business, they're not just that. There are things that they do that help them become that. And so, you know, when, when we take the time to talk to people and really get to know them, I think later on that help factor becomes natural. I can tell you from my perspective, I mean, you know, meeting very wealthy people or very business connected people significantly just crushed in life. You know, if you just introduce it and just and just meet them for who they are, that pays off more dividends versus, oh, my God, thank you for meeting me. Blah, blah, blah. I want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I've always I've always believe that you know this ability to a meet people consistently and genuinely trying to meet people not because oh my god that's a a vc person and i need funding for start no 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 you're the funding for your startup comes from you it doesn't come from anybody else it really is down to the person itself right you know uh if you're a ball player you don't you don't make the team because you know the head coach you make the team because of your talent and if you happen to know the head coach that smooths, that, that, that paves the way a little bit smoother. But in the end, your talent has to have the ability for you to stay on the team, right? I can know the owner of the Lakers too, but that doesn't mean they're going to put me on the point guard team. It's a, they're going to be like, all right, man, good job. Go, go back in the sand. Go sit down. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man, that, that's such a great habit to have to just – connect with people and saying that's so overlooked are there any other habits that that you have that maybe are you know in plain sight but unusual or maybe just unusual or maybe just regular things um that, that you do that keep you going and and that you think have been able to benefit you so significantly in life oh that's that's a very nice question thank you um this is gonna sound weird but i talk to myself i i do too so <laughs> I I look like a madman sometimes. Um, I literally have, I, I kid you not, you know, doing pitches in front of um, investors or, or people in life. I've actually had this conversation before. And I'll actually pretend, I'll talk out loud. It won't be in my mind. I'll actually talk out loud and pretend that I'm actually pitching you or at a conference or at a speech or something. And when you talk out loud, it's different than just talking in your mind. Because when you talk out loud, it's, you're actually hearing yourself. And if you actually get into it, you can feel yourself in front of a thousand people audience or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and which is exactly like, you know, you can, you know, I love sports. That's why I continue to bring that up. Um, but, you know, I know there's one interview of Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant where even in their practice games, in their mind, they were playing that game-winning, you know, NBA Finals game. And so when you're in that mindset already, that practice game, that last shot, becomes that game-winner, game seven, three-point down winning shot. But it's practice, man. <laughs> like, come on. But that's the thing. So even when I'm having, you know, pe- you know, like conversations or whatnot, I'll rehab those conversations in myself. I'll pitch myself to an empty room 
and I'll pretend that I'm standing in front of 20,000 people just like trying to be like Steve Jobs unveiling the iPhone or something like that. You know, it's this consistent way of thinking and putting your, you can literally tell your mind to put yourself in that situation and it can mm-hmm. work. And the great people, it's not just me. The, I've learned it from the great people before us, you know, the ones that paved the way. We're standing on shoulders of giants, right? So it's, you know, the greatest people like, you know, like I love that there's this one story of Sam Walton, um, founder of Walmart. And, you know, he would even at an old age when he was a billionaire, he would walk around, you know, he was an older guy. So he'd wear the Walmart jackets and just walk around offering customer service to people saying, hi, are you finding everything? And people would be like, oh, yeah, sure. I need blah, blah, blah. He was like, oh, that's on aisle nine or something like that. Little did they know that's the billionaire founder of Walmart doing that. I mean, those are the things like you don't you you embody being in that position again. So you have to embody yourself that I am the success that I see myself. So then I'm going to talk like that. I'm going to behave like that. Wow. Right. And then I'm going to actually give my you know, ask yourself, when was the last time, you know, people actually gave the gave a thank you speech in front of 10,000 people or pretended to actually do that, right? I would think if I wanted to be an actor, I would, you know, pretend to give my Oscar speech when I was, you know, I would do that now (laughs) to see how that feels like, you know, like I want to thank the Academy. I want to thank people, blah, blah, blah. You know, because when you're in that state, you actually start to feel it. Just like we as human beings, we can get depressed based on our thought process. Just as human beings, we can trigger ourselves to feeling bad or down based on if we think about the trauma or the hurt that we've experienced in our lives. And if we focus on that, guess what? We can start to deteriorate our existing existence based on a thought that happened in the previous time, which is why mind right and all these things are very real things. And so, but if we take the positive aspect of that, you know, like... If you want to be the best next Michael Jordan or LeBron, are you playing like you're playing in the championship? If you want to be the best teacher in the world, are you teaching where, you know, are you imagining your students leaving you and be going on to doing amazing things and they're writing you letters saying, dear teacher, thank you so much of blah, 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 of how you inspired me, right? Are you doing that? And, and one of the things, you know, believe it or not, the exact position I'm in right now in life, I've already imagined it before. And I gave thank you speeches to big time investors who are investing in my company. I did that like a year and a half ago. And that, that it sounds crazy, but then it really happened where, you know, I, I've been having conversations where I, in my mind, I won't tell the other person this, but I'll say like, I've already have the, had this conversation before, which is pretty cool, which is why some people think my delivery is great, because, but in the end, I'm like, no, it's not great, but I've practiced it already. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Wow, that's good. That's that's really good info. And I, I think I need to implement that a little bit more. I do talk to myself um, here and there, but, but you know, practicing things like that and putting yourself in that mindset is, is just a shifter and a game changer. Um, and, and, you know, on that note, I you know, every time we speak, I notice how incredible your your mindset is. Um, and, and, you know, all these habits and, and this mentality that you have, where, where does that come from and, and what keeps you going? You know, at this point, you've, you've been very successful, but you're still going strong. Where, where does all that come from? 
Well, thank you. That's that means a lot that you would say that. Um, I think that comes from you know people like you know when you have strong role models like uh, like your parents. And, you know, my parents, you know, they come to this country like we all did. Um, they didn't know how to speak English properly and they just do what they have to do. And it's this constant grinding and, and just working and moving to the next level. That would have to say, you know, my mom, you know, she did catering. You know, my mom was as uh, an amazing person and she did catering from our little apartment and fed people and, and found product market fit, if you will, by seeing other women uh, in the Pakistani Indian community that wanted to serve home-cooked meals, so she kind of filled that gap. So, you know, constantly thinking about, if you think about how immigrants or other people that come to this country, because they're so grateful for the opportunity. That's one of the things about this country, is, is literally the land of opportunity, and the world is your oyster, and depending on how you want to do it. And then, of course, you know, I like, I like to, you know, think about the greats that came before us, and if you look at the great people that came before us on anything, whether it's teaching, basketball, business, scientist, they all had similar characteristics. So growing up, I used to read a lot of biographies, and I still do, just because I like to be in the mindset of the great people, and just to pretend that they're my friends, right? I would literally pretend Steve Jobs was my friend, and I would talk to him. I know that sounds crazy, but I would literally pretend Albert Einstein was my friend. And I would like, re, I would re, retell the things I would learn about the theory relatively back to him to see if I actually understood the topic myself. Mm. You know, I think, I think they talk about that. And have you read Thinking Grow Rich? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I think they talk about that, about creating the circle and, and, you know, having sometimes that circle be people who you look up to. Like for me, you know, Maybe LeBron James in there or something like that. 100%. In my dinner table right now where I'm sitting, I have the best friends I think of my life who I don't know in real life, but they're sitting around me. And when I'm talking about them, I'm always thinking they're going to say, Saad, you're an idiot. And so this is causing me to think higher, hopefully, and, and, and be like, you're an idiot. I would never do that. So I would always ask myself, what would he do if he was right here? And so, but that where that really comes from is... Just from an analytical point of view, if you look at the great people that came before us, they have very similar characteristics of constantly being in that mindset, chasing the unknown and not being satisfied. So like, you know, if you look at sports, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, guess what? They could probably be brothers in terms of how similar their minds were. Mm -hmm. And then you can go further back to like people like Julius Irving. Right? These are all people, or like Larry Bird, same thing. It's that driven mentality, that ferociousness of somebody else is going to say like, hey, man, you're already rich. Calm down. Relax. No. They're like fire. You know, the same thing of if you look at Steve Jobs versus the craziness of Jeff Bezos to the craziness of Sam Walton. Like, like a billionaire walking around his own store and offering people to, you know, find out where aisle nine is or something like that. But it's exactly like what Jeff Bezos was obsessed with customer service. It's like this thing. That, so I always want to be like those people. Like I, you know, if you tell me to like, hey, I want to be like that, I'm going to aim for that. And mm -hmm. so if those people are acting that way, I'm going to shift my mind and my behavior to act that way.
So like, you know, like I always say, like if I wanted to be the best basketball player, if I was 10 years old today, I wanted to be the best basketball player in the world. I'm going to literally follow everything Michael Jordan did. Or if I wanted to be the best quarterback in the world, I'm going to follow everything Tom Brady did down to his diet, to his, I would even change the way I speak (laughs) just to be that kind of person. The blueprint's already there. Just execute it. But it's hard to execute. Otherwise, we'd all, you know, if you think about the moves of Michael Jordan and things, everybody would copy him and everybody would be the same, but it's actually difficult to copy. Right. It takes skill to actually embody that and to transact on those kinds of moves and, and the skill level and this and that. Because if you think about it, oh, it's already been done. We should be able to just copy. All right, let's all just copy Michael Jordan's moves and, and become the best basketball. It's not that easy, is it? So, you know, so that that comes from just looking at great people before us, like, you know, like I love like Henry Ford or, you know, all these people and they all shared the same characteristics. So if I can grab 0.01% of that and those people had much more difficulty, then you know what? I'll be a success. Yeah, I think the other that that that's amazing, by the way. But I think the other part of that is, you know, the mentality shift it's a different mentality that those type of people have and by putting yourself or attempting to put yourself in their shoes you're forcing yourself to over time if you continue to do that get into that mentality as well because that i think that's the difference that that makes bezos and zuckerberg you know that much better than your million dollar company ceo that's been stagnant in growth for for 10 years and that's right. Wow. And you know, and you have to and that causes you to believe in yourself. And and when you're starting to shift your mind towards that perspective, then things start to open up. Like, you know, it like this ability to just say hello to every single person you meet just randomly. I know it may sound crazy, but just do it. Do something that's uncomfortable for a little bit or, you know, or make cold calls. And, you know, one of the things when starting out in the business on and trading I would have to make phone calls. I mean, when was the last time uh, cold calls, right? And when was and I would I would do tons of them during the day, and you would get better at it. And and you know, ask ask a twenty something year old today, when was the last time you made a cold call? People don't anymore, and I still love it. Like one of the ways you can do cold calls is strike up a conversation with somebody at a farmer's market or at a grocery store just to see how the reaction is. Mm-hmm just as a friendliness, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. Right. And, and, and it could be guys or girls or whatever it is, but, but that ability, that practice ability, which is one of the reasons why, you know, like I like going to conferences. I'm a different person at a conference and I don't like to go with people at a, I like to go by myself because it forces you to talk to people. Because when you go to a conference with friends or your colleagues or work colleagues, what happens? You end up being in this cluster, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You stay in that same cluster and three days go by and you didn't meet any people. But if you're by yourself, you just got to go around the room and be the mayor and just say, hi, Max, my name is Saad. And you're like, okay, this guy's very weird. All right, fine. But then you say hello. And then hopefully, because think about it, people who go to conferences, they're trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do, which is meet people. Mm-hmm. And so if you can break that barrier first, they're going to reach out back to you and say, like, hey, man, thanks. All right, sure. I'm this and this and blah, blah, blah. Very rare. I've never been to a conference where the other person has been like, oh, don't talk to me. <laughs> mm. 
It's never yeah. happened because we're all in the same boat, but everybody's kind of afraid. And so if you put your fear aside, which is, you know, exactly what the great people did, they had a lot of fear, but they put it aside and they broke the barrier first, which causes us to live the lives that we live today. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, so as a final point, is there are there any podcasts or books or any pieces of content that you would recommend listeners go take a look at? Um, I definitely recommend, I mean, not from a podcast perspective, but definitely um, there's, there's Business Wars podcast I really like. It talks about how business is developed and whatnot. Um, and so that's really cool. But from a book's perspective, I think books are it in terms of looking at how biographies or people changed the way the industries they thought about. And, and you know, I think that's very good. And then on top of that, just overall learning from history, I think, is, is pretty cool. And, and the ability to consistently read, I think, I, I find that to be the most rewarding thing personally, just constantly reading. It's fun. And not just reading about business all the time, reading about other things about human life and, and things like that. Wow, that's a great final point to leave the audience with. Saad, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it and had a great experience, learned a ton, and, and I'm all, always uh, leaving these conversations that we have with a new sense of you know ambition and, and uh, hype to, to keep going. So thank you for that. Um, in addition to this episode, we'll, we'll have some shift search walkthroughs on the Growth Chats YouTube channel. For those of you who want to become better option traders and learn more about that side of the conversation we had today, uh, if you did like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, share, anything you can do to help others gain some of the valuable insights that you have so far from listening. Uh, Thanks again, everybody. Thank you, Saad, and have a good rest of your day.